How y'all doing? What's up? I'm home. I'm home. It's been a while. Hey, my name is Craig. I'm actually one of the pastors from our Pompano Beach campus, so I'm here to just kind of share some stuff with you. I am humbled and honored to be back. Man, I've missed you guys, but I just want to give you guys props, man, and give you a big thank you for all you guys that have donated financially to make this, this launch possible, and all you guys that have prayed faithfully and been on your knees just praying for this campus, man. God is doing some amazing, amazing things. He's done some amazing things. He's still at work in that community around us and in that church. So will you guys give it up for yourself? Thank you so much for what you guys have done to support that campus. But man, I'm gonna get right into it this morning, man. We're, we're diving into Philippians and pulling out some high points and just asking God to change our perspective about how we do life. And so if you have your Bibles with you, you can turn to chapter two. You can look in your notes or in your worship guide up on the screen. But I don't know about you guys, but I love it when I find out something new. I'm like, man, I never thought about that before. Or, you know what, that, that's right, like, you might be right. I'm thinking about that a little bit different. And I kind of refer that to that as a, a mind shift, basically where my mind was thinking one way, but all of a sudden now it's thinking in a different way. And I want to give you guys some examples. Man, I've only been in ministry a couple years now. And one of the things, the biggest mistakes I first made, I was like, man, I need to go out and serve people, help people, love on them 100% of the time, never thinking about myself. But that's not the way that God wanted to do, man. I, I forgot about myself. I stopped worrying about my own personal time with God. I stopped worrying about my day off that I needed to rejuvenate and, and basically be the person and the man that God called me to be to serve and love those people. And the second mistake and, and mind shift that I've had real recently is, man, I had to get past my past. I've had a horrible past. I know you guys may have heard me share it here or, or at the other campus. Man, I have had a bad, bad past, but I, I had to just go and move past that to be able to be the person that God actually wanted me to be. Obviously, I had to live day to day and re just recreate myself and be God who God wants me to be in that moment of time. And what I wanted to do is talk from, from God's word about having a different way of thinking. Now, here's the context of the book of Philippians. Um, basically, Paul's writing a letter to the church of Philippi. Philippi, sorry, I always pronounce it wrong. The church he actually started about 52 AD, and man, a lot of people are saying this was his favorite church. He actually loved these people, truly loved who these people were. And so he's writing a thank you letter to them for a generous gift that they just sent him. So if you carefully read through, read through all four chapters of Philippians, he talks about, references the mind 16 different times. And that's what we're going to kind of talk about, man. You're going to see him talk about how you think, what you remember, and what your attitude is. And today I want to talk about a different way of thinking. That's when we have a changed perspective. So we're going to dive right into Philippians 2, 1 through 2. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if you have any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with his spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and in purpose. Now at this point, there's a little bit of division going on in the church of Philippi. And Paul, Paul notices that, and he just wants to encourage them to be like-minded and to think about the same things, to get back on track. So if you're taking notes, the Greek word translated as like-minded is the word phronio. It means to set your affection on it. It means to think. It means to be single-minded. And he says, I want you to be like-minded to think on similar things. And why does that matter? Well, if you look through Scripture, there's so many powerful verses about how important our thoughts and our minds should be, and I'm just gonna share a couple of them with you real quick. James said it this way, if a double-minded man is unstable, 
and he does, well, I'm sorry, that a double-minded man is unstable in all he does. Paul said, I want you to be like-minded or single-minded. Paul told the Romans, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Paul told the Corinthians to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Paul told the Philippians again, whatever is noble and pure and right, lovely and admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on such things. And Proverbs says, a man thinks in his heart, so he is. So here's the first mind shift I want to give you guys. Write this down. How you think determines what you become. How you think determines what you become. And in fact, when I teach on leadership, and especially on leadership in the church world, First thing I tell people is don't go out and copy somebody else. I made that mistake big time, man. I, one of my heroes is Matthew Barnett. I went and copied everything that he did. I thought, man, I'm going to run a mega church of 25,000. I'm going to build this dream center. Like, I'm going to do this all on my own. I'm just going to copy exactly what he did. But I didn't have the same gifts or talents or calling that he had. But what you can do is you can get inside the mind of that person. You can find out how they process information, what they're reading to grow daily in their walk with faith and how they're processing things in their mind. Then you can think like they think and be the person that God had called you to be. Now for Paul, everything was about Jesus. He said it this way, for me to live as Christ, to die is gain. So what he's saying is, I don't think, I don't, so don't want you to think like each other, I want you to have a mind like Christ, live Christ-like. In other places he said, I want you to have the mind of Christ. Now, why is that so important? And you're probably thinking, there's no way that I can live like Christ did. There's no way that I can be as full of grace as Christ was. There's no way that I could love like Christ did. There's no way that I could please God the way that Christ did. But let me give you a mind shift, because it's really important what goes on in your mind. If you think like Jesus thought, you can live like Jesus lived. If you think like he thought, empowered by the Spirit of God, you can actually live like he lived. Now, how did Jesus think? Well, we know beyond the shadow of a doubt, if you looked at the way he taught and lived, it was about pleasing God and pleasing people. That's it. And in fact, when he was asked what the most important command is, he says to love your God with all your heart, your mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. He was all about pleasing God and loving people, and that's what Paul was actually trying to teach. If you'll be like-minded, if you won't think like the world thinks, but let your mind be renewed. You'll be transformed by renewing of the mind. And if you think like Jesus thinks, you can actually live like he lived. And this is, what, this is how Paul taught it. Look at verse three. Do nothing out of selfish ambition and vain conceit. And let me just stop right there. I'm gonna admit this, and I'm sure you guys are the same. I do everything out of selfish ambition and vain conceit, right? It's all about me. Every decision I make is probably gonna benefit me in some way, right? But Paul's saying, no, do not think out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. And now, the Greek word translated as humility is printed in your notes. And just so you know, I have no idea how to pronounce it. Starts with a P, I mean a T, and it's like tapping off rosiné. Like, I don't even think that's close, if anyone knows Greek, but I'm sure that's not right. So if you guys want to try that out, lock yourself up in your room in the safety of your own home and try and figure out how to say it, because I don't have a clue. Can't help you there. But <laughs> this word means modesty, humility. It means lowliness. Of mind, do nothing out of selfish ambition and vain conceit, but in humility of mind. In other words, choose to position yourself lower than everyone else. 
That's it. Philippians 2, 4, each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also the interest of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. And that verse right there, when we, TJ and Shayla asked me to kind of head up outreach a couple years ago, man, that was like our life verse. That was our verse for outreach. If you ever attend an outreach meeting or something with us, we always go over these verses in Philippians. Because we want to have the same attitude as Christ. We want to act exactly like Christ did and love and serve people. Now, what is your attitude? Attitude, man, it's a little thing, but it's so important. It can change the trajectory of your life and make a huge difference in how you follow Christ. Now, there's a lot of things about having a positive attitude, right? And I know some of you guys may not be the brightest color crayon in the box, right? I mean, you may not be that hot magenta. That's a cool crayon color. Or there's this, you might be that outer space color, which, yes, since I graduated school, there's like, 240 colors. So outer space is now a color. It actually is from the Hugh family of black, if you did not realize that. And I have no idea why I just told you that. But when you Google crayons, stuff like that comes up. But let's say, you know, if you're in high school or college, you graduated in the lower half of your class, all right? And you can get down on yourself and be like, man, I'm dumb. I'm stupid. I graduated in the lower half of my class. That's a negative attitude. Or you can have the positive attitude like I did when I graduated in the lower half of my class. I was like, you know what? I'm the half that made that half possible, right? Have a positive attitude, because without me, they wouldn't be there, right? It's kind of like the kid, thank you, Pastor Mike. You guys in the front row, be ready. <laughs> Just saying. It's like the kid that goes in his backyard, right? And he's strutting around, he's got his chest out. It's like, man, I'm the greatest hitter that ever lived. Throws the ball up, oof, oh, doesn't matter. The greatest hitter that's ever lived. No one can strike me. I'm the greatest here to ever live. That's okay. There's three strikes. He's by himself, by the way. I don't know why he's... Three strikes of baseball. It doesn't matter. I'm the greatest hitter that has ever lived. Woo! Yeah! I'm the greatest pitcher that's ever lived because I struck out the greatest batter of all time. That's a change of attitude, right? That's how you do it. Now, what is your attitude? I'd say your attitude, your mental habits, it's, it's your habits of thought, it's, it's the way you've trained your brain to think. And we know that we, our habits can be acquired, we can create habits, we can create good habits, we can create bad habits. We can create good habits of thought, create bad habits of thought. But all I know is an action repeated becomes a habit formed. So do not become formed to the patterns of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now. What Paul did not say is just have a positive attitude. That's not what he said. Positive attitude is very, very important. But what he did say is you should have a Christ-like attitude. Your attitude should be that of Christ Jesus. In verse five, he says exactly this. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. And what did that attitude lead to? Verse six, who Christ Jesus, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Now let me give you a mind shift because so often in the world we think it's all about us, man. It's all about self-promotion, especially with online media. Who liked my picture on Facebook? Who's following me on Twitter? Why isn't it not about me? We're in this self-made world. It's all about us. But I want to show you a, a mind shift in the kingdom of God. Pleasing God is about self-promotion but self-abandonment. 
So let me break it down. Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be grass. The word Greek that's translated grass, it literally means to rob, to plunder, or to rape. The equality of God was not something that we should grasp. And that's, that, that's what Lucifer tried to do in the Old Testament, man, five different times. He said, I will be like God. I want to be like God. That's what the serpent did in the Garden of Eden. When he went after Adam, he said, you know what? You can be like God. But no, equality is not something that needs to be grasped. It's not about self-promotion. It's about self-abandonment. We lose our life in Christ to find Christ's life in us. The text goes on to say he did not consider equality with God as something to be grasped, but Jesus made himself nothing. Jesus made himself nothing. And I want you to think about that for a moment, because if there's anyone in history at every right to make himself something, it would be Jesus. He is God. All glory in heaven. Stripped himself of everything. Taking on human form, nothing. Kneeling down, washing the lowest of the lowest feet. Now, when God created the world, what did he create out of? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. So here's the deal. As long as you are nothing, God can make something out of you. As long as you're nothing, God can make something out of you. But when you start thinking of yourself as something, you start to think of yourself more hardly than you ought to, you start to become God in your own life, that's when you're at risk of not fulfilling God's life purpose for you. Now, if you look in verse one, however, Paul introduced himself to the people of Philippi in the letter. It's the first and only time in the epistles where he did not introduce himself as apostle. He did not give, him the, give them the credentials, and that's basically because the relationship that we, with he had with them. He said, I'm a servant. He said, I kneel down. I'm here to serve you and to serve God. And in fact, the way the words translate, translates a slave or a servant, and I love this, it literally means one who permanently is devoted to the will of another. That's what a doulos is. Jesus made himself nothing, so he could become a doulos, a slave, a servant. And he'd become permanently devoted to the will of the one who sent him. And that's the mind shift I think we should, should have, man. Hey, look at me. Look how good I am. But it's about self-abandonment. I lose my life so that I can find it. Here's another mind shift for you, my favorite one, man. Servant is not what I do. A servant is who I am. Mind shift. It, 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 it's a different way of looking at things that will lead to a different result. Let's just say it aloud, all right? Everyone, everyone still got a note up? You still got it up? Serving is not what I do. A servant is? Everybody this time. Serving is not what I do. A servant is? There you go. You got it. Good job, fella. Give it up for yourself. The problem is, with all of us, is that we don't truly see ourselves as a full-on servant. Or we don't want to serve people the way that they needed to be served. And this was kind of a low point in, in my leadership, and I'm just being honest with you guys. We took a mission trip out to LA Dream Center last October. I took, there was a total of 15 of us that um, went out there. And it was like on a Thursday afternoon, we were going to an outreach, and we were walking from the Dream Center to the Angels Temple, which is the church of the Dream Center in Los Angeles. And the, the girl, the leader from the Dream Center is telling us what we we're gonna do. We we're gonna basically go set up a youth event where thousands of kids give their life to Christ. 
every single year. Man, we're getting excited. I mean, one of the girls in here that's really, really into youth ministry was just getting pumped up. She's ready to go. And we get there. And the leader kind of disappears for me. And she comes back. She's like, well, they already set everything up. I really have nothing for you guys to do. And I don't know if you guys, you guys that know me, I, I wear my heart on my sleeve. I show emotion. Like, I don't, I'm not good at hiding it. So I'm starting to walk around with my chest puffed out. Like, uh-uh, this girl did not just say she did nothing for us to do. Like, are you kidding me? And she sees me getting a little frustrated. She's like, well, let me go see what, let me go see what I can find you to do. I'll, let me just go see what we can do. Calm down. I'm like, okay, cool. So a couple minutes later, she comes back with some trash bags. He's like, we're going to go pick up some trash on Sunset. And I didn't take the trash bags from her hand. Of course not, because I'm not here to pick up trash. I said, man, we just picked up trash two days ago on Sunset. We, went, we were like two hours picking up trash. Like, there's not another piece of trash on Sunset. Trust me. Kim Moss, who's the biggest germ freak of them all, was sticking her hand like in the sewer gutter and picking up stuff. Like, we got all that kind of stuff, right? But you know what? Let me tell you what. Those 14 other people grabbed those trash bags and picked up more trash than they did two days ago. Because servant is not what they do. Servants were who they are. Jesus said it this way. I did not come to serve others. I didn't come to be served by others. I came to serve because I am a servant. Philippians 2.8. And being found in the appearance of a man, Jesus humbled himself and became obedient to death. And here's the chief act of service in the history of the world, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, we talked about attitude a little bit earlier, so I don't think that's the way that Paul wrote it. I think he wrote it with a little bit of attitude. So I'm gonna reread it with a little attitude. I hope you guys are feeling me up here because it's, it's gonna come hard. You guys ready? This is the way I think Paul wrote it. And being found in the appearance of a man, Jesus humbled himself and became obedient to death. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place, give him the name that is above every other name of Jesus. Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Goosebumps? Anybody? Like, that's, you should be getting goosebumps. Right? That's the way Paul wrote it. Everybody is going to bow to Jesus Christ and say, you know what? He is Lord. And that's what Jesus did. He did not consider quality with God, something he grasped, he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant. He was totally devoted to the will of the one who sent him. Now, I want you to think about this. I'm gonna read some really well-known verses from Philippians. But as I'm reading, I want you guys to put yourself in, in, in Paul's shoes. Because Paul is in prison, chained to a guard 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So how could Paul, under these circumstances, write something so beautiful as to live as Christ to die as gain? How could he say, while chained to a Roman soldier 24 hours a day, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may do the will of God? How could he say, I consider everything at loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord? How could he say, while waiting for the trial, of his life, whether or not he's gonna live 
or die, say something like this. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything with prayer and petition, make your request known to God. And the peace to God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. How could he say that? There's probably not one person in here that under those circumstances could write something so beautiful to those people. But he knew this. If you think like Jesus thought, you can live like Jesus lived. It's not about me, it's about him. That's what he was thinking. Servant is not what I do, a servant is who I am. And pleasing God is about self-promotion, it's all about self-abandonment. There are all these reasons that Paul could have been miserable in that prison, and there's all these reasons that we're miserable now, or we've been miserable in the past. Life didn't turn out the way I wanted it to. How come he got the promotion when I worked so much harder? How come God is not answering that prayer that I've been praying for the last three years? How come God is not healing my sick mom who's never hurt anyone in her life and was a Christ follower her whole life? Why is he not healing her? Like, it doesn't make sense. We could go on and on and on and on about how miserable that we could be. How could I be joyful when life isn't the way I wanted it? Final mind shift. My joy isn't based on what happens to me, but what God is doing in and through me. My joy is not based on what's happening. It, it doesn't matter what happens to me. My joy is strictly based on what God is doing in me and doing through me. And that's why in the middle of a Roman prison, Paul could write this beautiful letter to the Philippians, knowing he may be executed. Philippians 2.17 said, but even if I'm poured out like a drink offering, in, in other words, basically if it cost him everything, even if he has to spill the blood for Jesus, which one day he eventually would, even if I'm poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and I rejoice with all of you. I am glad and I rejoice with all of you. I'm here to tell you today, man, I'm, I'm glad. Because you know what? It's not about me. It's all about him. It's never been about me. It's always been about him. Because I know if I think like he thought, I can live like he lived. Serving is not what I do, a servant is who I am. It's all about him. Pleasing God is about self-promotion, about self-abandonment. That's the one thing you take from this. Pleasing God isn't about self-promotion, it's all about self-abandonment. It's the one thing that all of us struggle in this world. And I'll lose my life to find it. Therefore, my joy is not based on what happens to me, what people think about me, or what they do to me. It's strictly based on what he is doing in me and what he's doing through me. Because like Paul, you know what, you can lock me up, but you're never gonna shut me up. Because I'm here to glorify God until the day that I die. And you know, it's been uh, about three and a half years since I walked through those doors right there. 
And a lot of you guys know my story. I walked in here just a complete alcoholic, had lost everything, had lost businesses, had lost my wife, had lost my kids. Had run through just money after money after money, just had nothing to live for, was at the bottom of a pit with no way out. Scratching and clawing to do it, try to do it on my own. But walking through those doors, it seeing what God had done to so many people here already. I soon realized it wasn't about me, it wasn't about my comfort, it was all about him. That's all I needed to get through, everything that I ever get through. Nothing is impossible, just like the song that we sang, nothing is impossible for him. It was when I turned my focus to him and him alone did he start to draw me out of that pit. Because nothing is too big for our God. Stop the small thinking. Have a mind shift. Change your perspective. You're looking at someone that was at the lowest of the low. That Jesus would have sought out and washed my feet. Where I was. And he did. He rose me up. Said, you know what? You're forgiven. No matter what you've done, all those sins you've done, you are forgiven. Everything you've done in your life, you are forgiven. Follow me. And some of you guys here this morning, man, you, you need to give up. You, you just need to self-abandon. You need to focus on him. You've been trying to do this all on your own, kind of half in. Like, I'll go to God when I need him. Otherwise, I'm going to take it all on control. You're playing God. Get rid of that. Abandon that way of thinking. Have the mind shift. Say, you know what? It's not about anything else. It's not about what's happened to me, happened to me, what's gonna happen to me. It's what God is doing in me and what he's doing through me. And watch what God can do. One year ago, basically this weekend, it was the first time I'd ever spoke a message in front of people. It was a wreck. Some of you guys saw it, it wasn't pretty. You may think this isn't pretty. <laughs> But you know what? God can use you in ways you never thought possible. And he's using me in ways I never thought would happen. He can do the same exact thing for you. But it's not about yourself. It's about him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for opening up our minds to a different perspective a different way to think, to possibly see things in a different way that we've always looked at one way, and it may be okay, but it's not the way that you want us to see things, through your eyes. God, there are so many people sitting here today that have tried to do this on their own, making it all about themselves, digging deeper and deeper and deeper into the pit exactly like I was, exactly where I was. God, we know that that's never gonna work. I'm a prime example of trying to make it all my own, try to recover from all the mistakes, try to recover from all the sin and make it right. But we know without you, that is impossible. But with you, nothing is impossible. If we make our lives all about you, 
We abandon our way of thinking. We abandon the life that we're living. We turn to you. You can do the impossible. Some of you here this morning, you don't even have that relationship with Jesus Christ. You've been fighting it for years. God's been calling you to something. You're like, you know what, God? I'm going to do this on my own. I don't need you. Some of you are at that point where you, you were running after God as hard as you could, but something happened to you. Somebody hurt you. And you've turned away because of it. But this morning, it's time for you to turn back to him and turn your eyes upon Jesus. Say, you know what, God, I'm gonna follow you from this point forward. Jesus, you are the love of my life. Take over my life. Because it's not about me, it is all about him. If that's you this morning, we just raise your hand. I just wanna pray with you real quick. Thank you. Thank you. You guys just pray this, pray in your hearts, I pray it out loud. Jesus, I'm a sinner. I've tried this on my own for so long. I'm tired of fighting it. God, I want to turn to you. I want to turn my life to you so that you can do something impossible with it. Use me like you've never used anyone else, Father. Come into my heart and make me clean so that I can go out and make a difference in the people's life around me, that I can go out and serve, God, that I can go out and show out how, how my life is going to be completely transformed just by making this decision here today. And know, God, that it's not about promoting myself, but it's about abandoning myself and giving everything in my life to you. Because it is not about me, Father. It is all about you. It's in your name, Jesus. Amen.